The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes podcast. I picked us up a guest right before we go see Mr. Jim Norton at the uh, old Ridgefield Playhouse. I heard that. He's going to come on and do this show. I heard that. That's a big day for us. Yeah, it will be. And I got the tickets. Actually, got them in my hand yesterday at the physical house. tickets, so you don't have to scan your barcode. No StubHub. No. So good? anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> That's all we can say about them. Yeah. Uh, I want to start. I know we talk about the Yankees, the pitchers, and the catchers, and what have you, and and we always talk about the Nets on this show. But I'd like to open uh, with the New York Knicks, if we if we may. Uh, it doesn't seem like the coaching change or the all-star break has really done anything to better this team. Uh, and they proved that last night against Toronto. You have Carmelo, you know, he led the team in points. He also led them in turnovers. They're, he only had three uh, against the Raptors. However, two of them led to um, fast break buckets that were easy. And... Uh, yeah. I was going to call them uncontested transition points, but you said it better. Well, no, you, you, you said it. I said it in layman's terms. You, you used the technicality uh, of the basketball game to throw that out there. But the second one, uh, Tamar DeRozan, in Carmelo's defense, in his defense, he did just play with him on the All-Star team. Maybe he thought he was still on the same team. So, I don't know. Just throwing it out there, maybe. But this team looks like dog excrement right now. They look yeah. They they look like the seventy sixers. Awful at this point. They look like they're lost. This is a team that was. I think they were twenty two and twenty two. They, they were, were five hundred. They were five hundred. Uh, there were bursts through the season where they ripped off four in a row. They ripped off five in a row. Uh, of course, it was get to get back to the five hundred mark, but they still did it. You saw bits, pieces, spurts in this team, and then all of a sudden it goes away. What the hell is Yeah, going even on? if they had quit on the coach, does that mean they've quit on Kurt Ramis already too? Because oh. he hasn't won a game yet. His Twitter account's also not uh, not yeah. doing so well. Yeah. If you read the if you read the news or the yeah. Barstool Sports type sites of the world. Um He doesn't have a Twitter account anymore. Nope. He deleted it. Yeah. Well that's what happens when you get supposedly hacked and Well, well he might have Go read about you it. You gotta give him the benefit of the doubt. He might have It's it's very it's very interesting that nothing has changed even though everything has changed, so to speak. Um, the more things change, the more they stay the same, I guess. Maybe the, the better need cliche. a point guard. You know, Carmelo sat at his locker last night, or stood at his locker, I should say. Uh, With the same dumb look he Monday always has night. on his face. And, and, he, and he basically said, you know, we got to get together. We got to take this as a team. We got to come together as a team. We got to take this as a challenge as a team to turn this thing around. All of that is true, but the thing that, was never mentioned in that diatribe, and he can't say it. This team needs a point guard. Well, here's the weird thing about this. Kyle Lowry had a triple-double. Jose Calderon, their starting guard, was 0 for 2 from the field with two assists and two rebounds. Who did Kyle Lowry take over as the Raptors' starting point guard for? What was that guy's name? Jose Calderon. Oh, yeah, how about that? Um, Here's the thing that's weird. The the trade deadline's over. The All-Star break is over. It's the second half. The 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 third third really because they played fifty plus games before the break. But anyway, mm-hmm. the only reinforcements are coming from either the D League ten day contracts. It, it's going to be nothing major. No, it's Jimmer Fredette. That said, how is Jimmer nailed to the bench in that game last night? The guy led the D League in scoring, was the D League MVP, 
or all-star game MVP, I should say. Granted, we know what we've seen in the D-League, and we know what we've seen in the NBA from And in Fredette. his last D-League game, he went two for 18. Right. We, we, we've seen what we've seen. We've also seen the Knicks burned, for lack of a better word, by Langston Galloway after his D-League heroics last year versus what he's done in the NBA since. But you've lost, what now, 12 of 13? Yeah. Since 22 and 22? Yeah. You're fading fast. There's no more chance for reinforcements. The only way you're getting any good player is if somebody gets bought out somewhere and decides to pick his next team out of a hat and accidentally picks the Knicks. I have to think that Phil thought about trading Carmelo Anthony. And I know that's not a popular uh, topic of discussion amongst Knicks fans because you're basically trading your best player. You are. You're, you're getting your best player, your best shooter, uh, et cetera. But here's my thing. You've heard the rumors about people not wanting to play with him. Mm-hmm. It started when they got him from the Nuggets, and it's still out there today. And it continued when him and Stoudemire never really gelled together. Right, right. And Which, it, to be fair, look what happened to Stoudemire from the time he signed with the Knicks to the time the Knicks cut him. He went from a major you know, all-star, big-time all-star player to like signing a buyout to be a late bench option for a fringe playoff team and then completely gone. So, you know, maybe in hindsight that wasn't the the best signing, but yes, it happened. Anyway, go ahead. Here's my thing. The Knicks moving forward need a complete overhaul. They do. They have Kristaps Porzingis, but the moves that Jackson made this past offseason, which did work for the first I want to say quarter of the season. You got great minutes out of O'Quinn. Derek Williams was playing his rear end off. Carmelo looked, you know, like he was switching up his game. Aaron Aflalo was on the, the high assists. end of his streakiness. Aaron Aflalo, right. He was playing well. But, but now, I, I mean, they, 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 they led the Raptors by two after the first quarter last night. Then you get outscored 31-15 in the second quarter. And you're down by 14 at halftime, and it doesn't get any better after that? My, my daughter, I'm trying to get her, my seven-year-old, I'm trying to get her into sports. And from the time she could talk, every time I watch one of my teams, she said, Dad, what color are you rooting for? Because that's all she knew. She didn't know the names of the team. So it was white, blue, whatever. So who do you want to win? Do you want the blues or the whites? And I the Knicks were wearing white. They were home at the garden. I want the whites, honey. I want the Knicks. Last night, I said, we we're laying in bed with the iPad, and I said to her, you want to see if the Knicks are winning? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm finally getting her in. Oh, they're losing, honey, but they're only losing by five. So we put the game on my Optima map, and we start watching. <laughs> From the minute we start watching until halftime, they go from down five to down 14. And she's punching the bed with her fist. And I was like, what am I doing to my child? I was going to say, it's <laughs> what better, am I doing to my child? better than the opposite effect that could have had of being an easy bedtime because she would have went right to sleep. And she also has a Brooke Lopez jersey. <laughs> well, she's seven. What am I doing to my child? I, you saw that picture of me dressed as a New York giant for Halloween That's when I was a true. kid. Things happen. That's true. It's, it's endemic of what's been happening in Brooklyn all year to a lesser degree. The Knicks have talent, but are missing one or two pieces. 
They have Carmelo. Porzingis looks like the real deal. Some of their role players have performed well, better than others at times, as we mentioned to Flalo and Williams. But they missed the point guard, and that's a huge, huge negative. Now, flash forward across the bridge a few miles, and the Knicks have, you know, three good players and three or four average to good ones. The Nets have two and then a whole bunch of nothing. The difference right now is only, what, seven wins? Are you including Joe Johnson in that, or is he on the cusp? And it's, You're talking about Faddenbrook. I'm talking about Faddenbrook. Okay. Joe, they have two and a half good players right okay. now. Because Joe Johnson has nights where he goes for 18 points and half a dozen rebounds and looks like Joe Johnson of old. And then he has nights like he had against uh, Memphis where he goes 0-3 from the field and scores four points and is invisible throughout the night. And it's, it's proving more and more how, despite the fact that LeBron James is LeBron James, despite the fact that Steph Curry is Steph Curry, the Warriors are not as good as they are without Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Harrison, Harrison Barnes, Barnes, Andrew Bogan. All those guys in, you know, all those guys in the middle. Azeli when he's healthy. Bestus. Andre Iguodala coming off uh-huh. the bench to provide that same pace. It's a superstar-driven league to a point, but teams need to have depth. And, you know, one or two good players and a handful of role players or, you know, supporting cast, it's not the 90s anymore. Jordan and Pippen with a bunch of scrubs are not getting it done. You know, San Antonio's had three good players for the entirety of their dynasty. Could also play defense back then. Right. Can't play defense. San Antonio's had three good players for the entirety of their dynasty, and every time they've gone to the championship, they've had a different cast of very good role players around them. They've had the right fits. Neither team in New York has that right now. And did you ever think in your lifetime you'd see that happen? No. Both at the same time for so long? And it's funny because, you know, I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of Major League Baseball on the radio and a lot of MLB chatter and this and that, as we know. And a lot lately the topic has come up, you know, because you're into the fantasy, uh, the fantasy booking portion of the, of the season with pitchers and catchers just reporting and free agency just about over, and it's kind of the lull. And there's been a lot of you know, hypotheticals about what would it take for the Angels to trade Mike Trout or should the Angels trade Mike Trout or this and that because the Angels are pretty much the Angels are pretty much the Knicks, if you think about it. Mike Trout is he's a, little, he's a better allegory than Carmelo Anthony. Yes. But Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. Albert Pujols may be more Carmelo Anthony yes. in that he's a superstar, but he's getting old, he's injury prone, he's not what he once was, this and that. And then the Angels, the rest of the Angels roster is like, oh, uh, yeah? insert tab A into yeah. slot B yeah. and pick a guy out of a hat. Mm-hmm. And their left fielder is going to be one of four guys, depending on who's pitching that day and this and that. And so you wonder, is like, would the Angels be better off trading Mike Trout and getting a ridiculous haul of three to four good players for one superstar and trading him to a team that could afford to lose two or three good players, but that one superstar would put them over the top. That's the same allegory with Carmelo Anthony and the Knicks at this point. Is Carmelo Anthony really hurting the Knicks more by being there, whereas if they could get something for him and get better players, you know, quality doesn't necessarily take precedence over quantity here. Well, see, if this- they can get three guys who are good to you know above-average NBA players but fit the system better than just him, 
does that work? I would hope as a fan that he tried something and there was just nothing out there that made sense. And if he made the deal, he would have been raked over the coals. He would, you know. Well, if he made the deal, he was going to be raked over the coals regardless. Unless, well, unless he traded him to Cleveland for LeBron and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and that wasn't, and, no, and everybody knows that's not happening. Or straight up for Blake Griffin. But, listen, I'm, I'm just sick and tired as a fan waiting for July 1st to come. And then July 1st comes, and nobody comes here. No big free agent comes here. None. And why is that? Why, why has that been the case? The Lopez brothers were one and two in ter- this summer in terms of free agents. Thad Young was maybe 2A because he was a re-signing and a big piece and a new piece. And, and why, wouldn't, why wouldn't Robin want to come to New York? His brother's in Brooklyn. They could be together. Spots wide open for him right. to be the starting makes, center of the New York He's going to make good money. Yeah. Why wouldn't he come here? But I'm talking about, like, Kevin Durant's free agent this year. Is Kevin Durant going to the Knicks? Is he? No. This is what I'm talking Lionel about. Lionel Hollins thinks Mike Conley might, depending on the money situation. But, again, like... Yeah, but Mike Conley, Carmelo Anthony, and Kristaps Porzingis does not get you a title. Yeah. And Conley said when he was at Barclays Center, you know, a few weeks ago, I want to win. And combined, the Knicks and Nets have, uh, like... 13 less wins than the Warriors. So Was it 15 and 22? 15 and 22, and the Warriors are 50 and 5. Quickest team to 50 in the history of the NBA. Unbelievable. Yeah, losing one out of every, whatever it is, one out of every 11 games. Just, just to show you, I mean, this is a team. I don't know if you remember that scene in Smokey and the Bandit. I think it was the second one where uh, Buford T. Justice is telling his son, Jr., the mouse runs over here, I grab him with my paw. The mouse runs over there, I grab him with my paw. And then I squash that expletive. That's exactly what the Golden State Warriors do. They were up by 23 points with just under seven minutes to play in the third quarter against the Hawks down in Atlanta Monday night. 23. The Hawks came back to take a one-point lead, and the Warriors won by 10. Won by 10. And Steph Curry has sat out. Roughly thirty percent of the fourth quarters this season. Guy who leads the NBA in scoring and you know has set records for most three pointers in a season consecutive years. His butt's on the bench. He's on the bench because a their second unit is that good. It is that and good. And b their first unit is that that good that they have such a huge lead to begin. And with. Steve Kerr and that coaching staff, you know, you take a page out of Pop's book. If you yeah. get somebody rest, you get them rest. What does he have to be out there for? Who the hell cares? About the scoring record. I'll tell you what. Or the scoring leader. I'll tell you what. Kurt Rambis and his sexy 80s goggles aside, you want a coach for the New York Knicks that can implement both Phil's system and have a pulse on how to win? Luke Walton. There's your guy. Go get him. I mean, you know, you hate to say, say it in this context, but you remember what happened when Bruce Arians took over for Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis and then the, the Cardinals snatched him right up and look what happened. I mean, it's, it's a good coaching tree, and he's having a hell of a run, even though it's with the best team possibly all time. That's dicey. It's just, it's a, Plus, it's another, you would see Bill in the garden on the regular. It's another dicey situation. I mean, I'm not saying he's Derek Fisher, but uh, that's a tough sell for me. Well, no, it he's is. not Derek Fisher because he's been sitting on an NBA bench for a few years now, learning as an assistant with some bad teams, no less, besides that. the Warriors. I get that, but I don't know. 
I'd rather have Tibbs. I'd rather scrap the damn triangle. Stop thinking about the triangle. Stop trying to run the damn triangle. Bring in a coach here who knows New York. Tibbs does. Who has a system that works, especially on defense. Both things. Tibbs does. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know what? And then, you know, we'll go back. You look on the other side of town and we talk about the more things change, the more things stay the same. The Nets come out of the break. Big win over the Knicks. And then Charlotte happened. In true Nets fashion, they lose to the Hornets in their next game. They haven't won back-to-back games since December 8th and December 10th. One of those was against Philadelphia, was it not? Yes. It's almost March. Yeah. It's almost March. That encapsulates the basketball season of New York and they play in a eight, nutshell. And they play eight more home games the rest of the year because the circus trip starts yeah. tonight. Don't well, I know it. Technically. I'll, I'll be in Minneapolis, and then I'll be in uh, – Toronto. I hear Minneapolis is fantastic in March. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, if you like great. ice fishing. No, thanks. I'll send you a postcard from Steinbrenner. It's going to be a, Yeah, thanks. You'll be in Tampa. It was 70 degree weather. I'll probably get a blizzard in Minneapolis. I'll mail it to the frozen bald guy in Toronto. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. I'll, I'll be the one standing next to the Mary Tyler Moore statue throwing my winter hat off. <clears throat> no, it, it, you know, you encapsulate the entire season of New York basketball just by that. That it, Yes. Uh, You need talent to win in this league. Yes. I mean, we we can talk at length about. Can we talk about a team that has the potential to actually win this year? Yeah. (laughs) You got one? Yeah, the Yankees. Oh. It is baseball season, huh? It is. Yeah. Thank God. (laughs) Well, the Rangers are. They're playing better. The Rangers are in second place, and they're, the team in first better. place in their division is, again, on, on record they're, base. So. They're, they're better than the, the Warriors right now, for crying the, out the loud. The Capitals are Talking unreal. Talking about dominating, and everybody who thought that they were going to you know, fall off a cliff like they always do, oof, were you wrong? It's got Brooks Orpik back, too. After mm-hmm. a 44 or 40-game layoff for him, he had a lower body injury or an upper, I don't know. I don't know. They're very vague. They're very vague. Did you see the outdoor game? Better than saying he's got a knee. I hate when people, oh, "Oh, he's out with a knee. Well, he's got two of them. He's got two of them. So which one is it? No, I didn't see. Hockey has been so far off my radar this winter outside of just highlights and um, occasional glances at the box scores and standings. I don't know how much it costs the NHL to put those games on, but they should do more of them. It was in Minnesota, right? Yes. They're tremendous. North Stars. Yes. uh, North Stars Blackhawks alumni game and then... Wild against yeah the Wild Blackhawks. since they came in back since Minnesota came back into the league 15 years ago this is something that their owner wanted to do and 15 years later he finally got to do it and they had over 50,000 people on in the campus University of Minnesota well, the reason they don't do it more often is because a then it loses its it loses its flair I guess and b were you at the stadium series two years ago I wasn't because tickets were ridiculous okay well good you were probably also warm then. Well, yeah. I mean, I just didn't have $500 to take my daughter to a hockey game. Well, I didn't have $500 to cure frostbite either, which is why I was wearing 17 layers while covering the game. Well, there you go. That's why they don't do it. It is what it is. Um, But, yeah. Anyway, the Yankees. Half a thousand dollars. Yeah, the Yankees. Down in Tampa, uh, away we go. Did you pay that, or were were you... what? Would you even have thought of paying that what? If, if, if money was no object? I think they were $208 a piece. If I had it, I, I would have spent it. I just don't have it. it you know, it's I, – I would be robbing Peter to pay Paul at that point. You know, if I put it on the credit card, that takes away a month of things that we could do with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, 
when I'm home. Maybe, maybe can, even two months. Maybe you can start a GoFundMe like that chick that got laid off from Yelp did. Or Kanye. Yeah. So anyway, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm going to start a GoFundMe for, for tickets to my favorite sport teams. See if I can get to a couple games this year. Anybody wants to contribute, I'll, I'll set that up and I'll tell you what it is on the next podcast. Um, but no, the Yankees down in Tampa, uh, one of the first things I saw the beat writers down there tweet out, which had to be like a, you know, oh my God, we got to get to the bullpen immediately moment, was when Chapman, Miller, Miller, and Batances all threw at the same time. And I think like Chasen Shreve or somebody was like the fourth man. No, it was CeCe. Was it CeCe? It was CeCe. So, you know, it's full swing or actually full pitch. (laughs) The PFPs are going on. Seeing all the videos roll in. Brian Hoke, our good buddy on MLB.com. And, uh, you know, it's just good to have baseball. Newlywed and soon-to-be father Brian Hoke. I don't. Did we ever extend congratulations and, to him and on wife both of those? With Bruce Springsteen and yeah. they went on the Today Show. He is having a semi-charmed kind of life over the last he few is. months, is he not? He is. Um, there are a few guys there too, a few position players too, taking live BP for some of the guys that aren't throwing bullpens that day. Caprellian looked impressive. Caprellian has looked good. Um, he faced Mateo in one of those live BPs. It was like a prospect showdown. Uh, Chad Jennings has a, some video of it on the Lowhead Yankees blog. It's an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people think, and, and apparently Joe Girardi and Brian Cashman among them, that Caprellian could be, could be, could be wearing pinstripes at some point this year I if, s- if he's very, if he's very dominant in the mid minors and the Yankees have a need and he's the best possible relief arm down the stretch. Uh, you know, they're not going to go full Jabba with him, but I would imagine much like you know Brandon Finnegan with the Royals a couple of years ago and. And, he and went others right out of college and right on yeah. right into the playoffs for crying out loud. Yep, and, and others have formed that straight role out of college. They're starters, but you know what? To lo- limit their innings load and get the most out of them, they'll they'll be relievers in the majors down the stretch. I saw Brian Mitchell. I think uh, our buddy Sweeney tweeted this. He was throwing live BP without a cage. Yes, and you know my initial reaction was, well, he's not going to have a cage when he's out there playing. So he might as well throw live BP. I know you might want to be a little extra careful with him. He got drilled in the head last well, year. Well, I think that's probably why he doesn't have a cage because as much as – He doesn't – you don't put that in his head because he's not going to have that protection all the time. Right. Here's the thing with, with Brian Mitchell. And first and foremost, you have to hope and, and you know, it, all indications are good that there's no psychological damage. The physical damage has healed from getting hit in the face with that line drive. The psychological damage, I mean, you know, Bryce Flory was never the same pitcher after that happened to him. So you can look at that as kind of a a talking point. But now's the time. Is he gun shy? It's spring training. If he's gun shy now about that, not going to go well in July. No. So he's got to hit the ground running. And and they need to know if he's ready and if they need him. Everything has to be there. So I, I agree. Don't, you know, just and this let is, them go out there and throw normally. Compounding that is... Anomaly. Compounding that is the fact that this is really, you know, you hate to use the phrase do or die or make or break unless it's really apropos. Mm-hmm. But this is somewhere in between those two phrases for Mitchell this season. He's used two of his three minor league options the last two years. So he's got one left. If he's going to stay stretched out as a starter, he's going to AAA unless, I mean, you know, Adam Warren ended up in the rotation last year because Capuano got hurt and Nova wasn't back and blah, 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 blah. Unless something catastrophic happens, he's going to AAA. You need 20 days in the minors to burn your option. Pretty sure he's not going to be up before May 1st, again, unless something catastrophic happens. Mm-hmm. 
So that's going to burn that option. What that what that means is that's it. Next year, he's either on the roster or gone. So you have to decide at this point, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? You, you can't yo-yo him around. I mean, Dellen Batances is a, a different animal because he got moved to the, the bullpen due to control issues. And Jose Ramirez with his injuries, too, before he got traded to Seattle. Same thing. But you got to make a decision on this guy one way or the other. And if he's not pitching well, it's going to make the decision real easy. You, See you later. You bring up Mitchell, and that's a tremendous point on your part. I, want, I thought of something today as I was going through my Twitter timeline and reading some Yankees uh, things in preparation to talk to you. And I love picking your brain on these. But something popped into my head. Now, Ivan Nova, he's battling for one of the starting positions. Yes. Um, with the uh, six they have, he's probably on the outside looking in. Depending on how... He's 5B. It all he's shakes out. He's not number out. six. Right. He's 5B. That, that's what I meant. That's what yeah. I meant. If he doesn't crack the rotation, I think you're wasting that guy as a like mop-up type uh, long reliever. I think you need somebody else for that. What would you... Think depending on, and I don't even know how fast he's throwing, but Joe Girardi just said today or yesterday that that's the best he's seen him post surgery. Right. So, say he's gassing it up, maybe I'm I'm not even going to try to bump this up. Say it's 93 to 95, he tops out at 95, and he only hits that a couple times. He's not Phil Hughes 97 in 2009, but can't you line him up? with Batances, Miller, and Chapman at the end of the game and try to lock that down? Does he have the stuff, Lou, to do that? Well, yeah, because he's, he's always really been a one-and-a-half pitch pitcher. Right. And those guys tend to play better in the, in the bullpen. Sinking, fastball, hook, hooking, curveball. Yeah, and that's about it. That's, re- that's really about it. The problem is this. Number one, he's never done it. He's made seven relief appearances in the majors. He has 110 appearances, 103 starts, seven relief appearances. Two of them were his first two games ever. Like, when you're brought up in that, well, we're going to get you some innings where we can roll. I think three of the other five have been in extra innings. Like, uh, all right, well, we're going to need a guy to go out there and pitch, and Nova's the freshest starter, so let's go. And the other two were starter gets shelled, Nova's pitching the next day, the Yankees have had a day off, extra day of rest situation, the hell with it. We'll throw him in there and push everybody up a day and figure it out in five days. Because you got to figure the guy who got shelled isn't going to need full rest. And those are legit. I looked this up yesterday because I've been doing part of the like mm-hmm. research for our forty man preview. I didn't month. even ask you. And look at us. Look no. at the synergy. Nope. So I've been doing some of the research there for that. Those are literally his seven major league relief appearances. He has never been a reliever. Period. Okay. So does he have the stuff to do it? Sure. Doing it on the fly especially in a bullpen that might be in flux a lot with some of the spots, that's a little iffy. But if he doesn't make the rotation, you want him to pitch. You don't want him to sit out there. And I'm not saying like every all these five guys who make the rotation, they're not going to be knocked dead, you know, dropped dead. Yeah, lights out pitchers. Left and right. Yeah, lights out. Thanks for saving me there. I was falling off the cliff. Um, but I don't know. Here's my unpopular opinion. And okay. I know this is my unpopular opinion based on the Give way, me your unpopular. Based on the way he pitched and how everything has sh- shaken out. The rotation should be based on who's the most impressive in spring training and it's going to be. It's Girardi said we're going to take the five best. Mhm. Nova doesn't stink. I almost wonder if you just six man rotation? No, I almost wonder if you do 
if he his career comes full circle, the Yankees had six guys for five spots at one point in 2012, I think it was. And it was Ivan Novo who got sent back to AAA in the midst of a 16-4 and four season because he had options. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Luis Severino right now. If Nova is throwing gas and dominant during the spring, and CeCe looks like a serviceable starter, let alone – because you're not putting CeCe in the bullpen. Just that's it. You might as well cut him at that point. Or he's, trade your, him. he's your fifth. He, right. He's got to be your fifth, depending right. on how he But if pitches. he looks like a serviceable number four, number five starter, and Pineda stays healthy and Tanaka stays healthy and they look like themselves and Evaldi continues to be what he was at points last year. And maybe better. Even if Severino looks great. Do you roll the dice with the five guys, make the easy roster decision, knowing something always comes up? You know, Phil Hughes moved to the bullpen in 2009 when everybody got shuffled around because they had too many guys for one spot. Mm -hmm. And luckily, they didn't need to reheat him. You know, that was the idea with Adam Warren last year, too. And we saw what happened towards the end. He had to get back, you know, into the rotation and stretch him out. And it it was rough. And, you know, the year that Freddie Garcia and Bartolo Colon... And Phil Hughes sort of like traded the last two spots in the rotation amongst themselves for a while. Things always have a way of working out. Somebody, you hate to say this, but somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to pull a hammy. CeCe's going to have some kind of knee issue because, or, let's face it, CeCe's going to have a knee issue. Yeah. I mean, he did last year. He, he rent 24 starts, but he's going to have a knee issue. You know, Tanaka's going to get some inflammation in his forearm, maybe. Maybe Michael Pineda tweaks a hammy. Maybe something happens. Something's going to happen with these guys. That I almost feel if unless Nova or CC or really Evaldi because Tanaka and Pineda are there, Evaldi maybe you start him in the bullpen to let him work his way up. But unless something happens, if all of these guys are lights out, you almost wonder if the easy roster decision is well, let's keep them all and we'll send Severino to the minors and let him throw five innings for a month, and that way we can manage. You know, not necessarily an innings limit, but manage his workload so that he throws 20 innings in April instead of 35 or 40 so that those 15 to 20 innings are available in September and October if needed. Again, if one of them stinks, then the, the decision is easy. It's like, well, we're going to take the five best. So mm, yeah. the difference with Nova is with one year left on his contract, he's never been a reliever. You know, Sabathia, it's different. He's 36 years old or 35, 36 years old. Was Hughes a reliever coming up in the system? He was a starter? No, but Hughes was also 22 or 23 years old at that point. No, Nova's a little older. Nova's a little older than that now. Is he 28, 27? 29. 29. Yeah. Nova's a little more advanced in his career than that. And Phil Hughes in 2009 had like 12 major league starts. Latroy Hawkins was throwing 94 when so, he was 42. Yep. So unless one of them really, really just, you know, right off the bat, and that's the guy you decide to keep out of the rotation, if – if Nova ends up getting bumped to the bullpen, you almost wonder, can you find a team that needs a starter that's got either an injury concern, that's got you know three or four decent prospects? Well, that was my next question. Do you something, move them? Something, something, somewhere you can flip him where you're going to get a pitching prospect that adds to the depth and maybe something else. Because you're not really going to you're not really going to get a lot, even if he's dominant. You're not going to get a lot for a guy who's despite the fact that his contract is, is pretty manageable at four and change, you're not going to get a lot for a guy that's just a year out from Tommy John in the last year of his contract, and his career history is a roller coaster, yeah. let, let alone you know this rehab from Tommy John and, and comeback. You know, the Yankees flipped Justin Wilson to the Tigers for two AAA starters 
if you can flip Nova somewhere for a 4A starter that you can stash in the minors and maybe some maybe some upper-level infield depth because that's where the Yankees are lacking, might be something worth investigating. Yes, it's tough to give up your depth, but Nova getting you something else as opposed to being in a role he's unhappy in and having to roll the dice with Brian Mitchell or Brady Lale or Sessa or those guys might be... You can always pick up. You know, there's going to be Chris Capuano's and Esmeal Rogers is available mm-hmm. everywhere. So, so they've been there for a couple of days now. Anything stick out at you? The guys, the big guys, are throwing heat. I mean, we we talked about that that bullpen session. Um, they did add two more pitchers to camp: Mark Montgomery and Kyle Haynes, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, they were two guys that you know the few people that do their kind of version of the, oh, who got snubbed for a non-roster invite. Those were two guys that were high atop the list based on past and recent past performance. Now they're in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, they officially have too many people in camp for numbers, which is an interesting <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> we talked about that on Twitter. Can, can you beat two and a half? Double zero. Or ten and a half? One eighth. As, uh, yes, as James the, Smythe. That's Smythe, not Smith, dear. Ding. Uh, as James tweeted us, yeah. but they have they they literally have. If you count coaches mm-hmm. as numbers, which you have to because they wear numbers, but uh, Haynes and Montgomery are wearing uh, Alan Cockrell and Marcus Timms as numbers in spring training because they have so many guys. The Yankees have three open numbers that are not either taken or retired. Zero. They've got two guys. Well, I don't. I'm not counting zero. Okay. But of the one through ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Discounting retired numbers, they have three that are open, and there's two guys that are doubled up. So realistically, they have one. <laughs> and let me tell you what. Number two is not ge- being given out, and number 21 is not being given out. So it's 38. 38 is the only open number the Yankees have, and they've got two guys doubled up. How could they, how could they do that? How could they give Matt Noakes' number away? Come on, Lou. I mean, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Uh I can't even think of anyone other than who's worn 30. It's like one of those numbers that, like, there's nobody you can associate with it. Like, oh, yeah, he wore 38. Here, I'll, I'll do it. Unless you randomly, like, oh, yeah, Brennan Bosch wore 30 or, you know, or something like that. Let me see. Yankees who wore number 38. But Chris Parmelee's apparently got number 24. So that leaves 221 and 38 is the only uh, non zero one or two digit numbers available because you know they're not giving out Jeet's number. And no, why not? The only time they ever gave out Paul O'Neill's number, people wanted to kill Latroy Hawkins. So, you know, it's not happening. All right, let's see. A New York Yankees uniform numbers list by Baseball Almanac, which includes every single uniform number ever worn. All right, I can tell see. you about fourteen guys that have worn number thirty-nine because it, that's that's gotten around in the last strawberry few years. for like, sure, like a bad case of the flu. It's gotten around. All right, let's see. Number thirty-eight. Hold on. It's almost like I, I feel like that's a number given to relievers, backup catchers. Oh, they weren't kidding. And this uh, is a long list. Since we're on this, you know, if you have any questions like who wore what, I can give them to you now, <laughs> or forever uh, hold your peace. Wow, there's a lot of 38. I've seen it in you know you can see it in the media guide. Uh, Yogi Berra, as a coach, right? Um, or, or actually, the year 19, before the year before he got number eight from Bill Dickey, nineteen forty-six. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to give you names that people would know: um, Johnny Blanchard in '55. Um, I'm more of a Tully Blanchard fan, but okay. 
let's see, Ed Whitson. There you go. In 1985, one of our stellar pitchers from the mid-'80s. Oh, um, woof. Matt Noakes. Josias Manzanillo. Remember him? 1995. Uh, Jeff Patterson also wore it in I th- 1995. I think, I think he made me my Big Mac the other day. Homer Bush. Ricky Leday. How did I forget Ricky Ricky Leday. Leday. Uh, Jason Grimsley. Traded Rand- to the Indians for David Justice. That was his best contribution to the Yankees. <laughs> Randy Choate. Uh, <laughs> Drew Henson. We never knew ye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brett Prins. Travis Lee. Buddy Groom. Romero Mendoza. I'm telling you, it's given to journeyman relievers. Chris Wilson. TJ Who? Beam. Who's, Chase, Chris, who's Chris Wilson? Chase Wright. Dan Geis. <laughs> Again, journeyman relievers. Chris Stewart. Brian Bruni. Ian Kennedy, Marcus Timms, Luis Ayala, Cody Epley, <laughs> Preston Claiborne, <laughs> Cody Epley again, Preston Claiborne again, Brandon McCarthy, Andrew Bailey, Jose Perella. There you go. It's Number like, 38. You, now, if you didn't know, you know. That's like murderer's row. If by murderer you mean guys who once held a plastic knife. <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> Oh, I, baby. Again, Marcus Timms is really the only one I could have, outside of Noakes, pulled off the top of my head because, you know, you and remember Timms. no disrespect to any of those guys. They all made the show, and that's very difficult to do. But uh, that It's not is, a number with a lot of staying power. That is why number 38 is still available. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you can look back at, you know, we, we looked at number 24s because, uh, like I said, Parmalee is going to get number 24. All right. You know, Cano had it for seven years. Tino had it for seven years. And seven different guys had it in between and since. <laughs> so, again, you know, not a number with a lot of staying power. Uh, let's see. 24, I'm getting there. Well, I can tell you that 24 was Chris Young for the last year and change. Kevin Moss. I'm just going to do, like, recent ones. Ricky Henderson, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, Lee Mazzilli, Deion Sanders, Mike Blowers, Kevin Moss, Russ Davis, Tino Martinez, yep. Ru- Ruben Sierra. Sierra reward in between Martinez and Martinez. Right. That is correct. <laughs> Sidney Ponson, uh, Robbie Cano, Zoilo Almonte, Scott Sizemore, and Chris Young. Yeah, it was Chris Young for the last year and change because mm-hmm. he wore it in September that year, I believe. Too. Uh, I used to love hearing... I'm in the 25s now. I used to love hearing Scooter say Greg Cataray. He was part of an epic bullpen in the mid-90s with Eric Plunk. Yes. Lee Guterman was there for a while. And Dale Mahorsik, I believe, was also a Yankee at one point. They were tremendous. Uh, Jim Abbott wore 25. Girardi wore 25. You know, he threw a no-hitter once. He did. He has one hand. No-hitter for Jim Abbott. It might be Dwayne Statt's most iconic Uh, know, You know what I'm curious to see? 17. I want to see 17 because that's usually the number they give to the guy that comes in like a Flaherty, you know, on a trade, but he's a backup. And here, let's see. Let's go Bob Serve. Who? Okay. He, he, was, he roomed with uh, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not 90. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. You didn't see 61? <laughs> uh, Bobby Mercer wore 17. Gene Michael. Mickey Rivers, of course. Yeah, Oscar Gamble. Stick, Stick and Mickey. I mean, those are the two Here's big one names you. from the past. I, I pretty much still have his baseball card somewhere. Mike Easler. Oh, Mike Easler. Isn't uh, he a hitting coach somewhere now? Or I was for no a long time? Idea. How about this? Claudel Washington. 
he weren't on the field twice and on the disabled list for 700 games. Andy Stankiewicz, Stanky the Yankee, Spike Owen. Spike Owen. Louis Polonia, of, of course. Uh, Ruben Rivera. Cousin of Mariano. Yes. Less successful cousin of Kenny Mariano. Rogers. He did not know when to hold him or fold him. Uh, no. Dale Swaim. Dale Swaim. Ricky Lede, Dwight Gooden, Darren Bragg, Gerald Williams. There's Flash, Nick Green, Shelly Duncan, Jeff Carstens, Justin Christian, Shelly Duncan, Kevin Cash, Jerry Hairston, uh, Lance Berkman. Jerry Hairston has a World Series F- ring. Flash is still in the top three here for, like, best Yankee career. Chad Moeller. Proud of you, Flash. Frankie Cervelli. Uh. Nixie. So, so every backup catcher of the 90s and 2000s is on there so far? Nixie and Brendan Ryan. Yeah, I do remember Jason Nix having 17. 18, I remember. Um, Randy Velarde wore 18. There he is. From 89 to 95. And then Mariano Duncan wore it. Yep. Andy Fox, Brocious, Tims, Jeff, leave it to Weaver. <laughs> I was going to say, outside of Brocious, I've drawn a blank for most of the last 20 years. Johnny Damon, Andrew Jones. Oh, Johnny Damon, duh. Kuroda and yeah. Didi. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Anyway. You can look through that. You know, if, yeah, you get we, a, if you get your hands on the media guide, you yeah. can look through that. It's a lot of fun. Like we did, we did last year when both Pettit and Posada got their numbers uh, retired. Um, or their honorers, you know, everything that happened with all those guys. And Bernie with 51, we kind of went through all the guys that had worn the number previously. It was an interesting cross-section of, you know, one guy made the number famous, and then you look at everybody else, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. That guy. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was fun. Outside of, outside of what we've already mentioned, though, in uh-huh. terms of camp interest, nothing, nothing monumental because it's really the first week and yeah, everybody's getting their like groove on. Everybody's days. throwing a couple wool pens. Position players are starting to trickle in, and they officially report tomorrow. First work, full squad workouts Thursday, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting come Friday. Yeah, when Lou goes down to Tampa, I'll be in I'll be in Minneapolis mm-hmm. with the Nets. Who's gonna be in the studio, Nancy? Nancy's in the studio, <clears throat> and I'm filling in. I guess I'm giving Sarah a little respite so she could go home and pack some more clothes <laughs> for the circus road trip. Uh, that's a rough one. I think they did eleven last year. Yeah, this one's nine. Yeah, this one's nine. nine. It's but but at the end, it's isn't it like Toronto and then Philadelphia? Toronto. So I, I'm in Toronto too, and then Philly. So Sarah does the first um, six. I've got the next two, and then she wraps it up in Philly. I don't know that. I don't. I know I don't have them in the correct order, but it's Portland, Phoenix, both LA's, Utah, Denver. Minnesota, Toronto, Philadelphia. That is correct. I don't know. I, I I don't know what the order of the middle four is. The the Lakers, Clippers, Utah, Denver. But I know it's you know Portland tonight, Phoenix Thursday, and then they finish with Minnesota, Toronto, Philly. Well, if if they don't beat Phoenix, because um, <laughs> Phoenix is terrible right now. Well, we'll have we can have some fun because you'll be uh, you'll be in studio Thursday night. I am not. It's Ryan on Thursday. <sighs> I'm I'm here. Because I'm on, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the the dot com beat. I'm Thursday here tonight, night. Tuesday, and I'm here Saturday night as well. All right, I'll have some fun over Twitter with Ryan then. Yeah, there since you go. I'll be on the dot com beat. Ryan Ruoko uh, is in. Ruoko, whoa! In studio. 
on the Thursday night. I am here tonight against the Blazers, who are playing some inspired basketball right now. I know Ryan's a sneaker guy. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk to him on Thursday. See if he has any opinion. If I show him a picture of the Shane McMahon appearance from Raw last night. Shane O'Mac came back to wrestling for the first time in like seven years. And he was rocking a nice. Uh, it's like you're speaking Japanese. A nice right suit, now. but he had some uh, some retro uh, original Air Jordans going with a suit, which is uh, pretty hot. So. God Almighty. Okay, that's a good spot to wrap things up. Uh, for Lou DiPietro, I'm Chris Sheeran. I could keep talking, but I'd like to go home and relax a little bit before I have to come here and do the uh, Nets Blazers tonight. So I'm going to be selfish and end this right now. <laughs> for Lou, I'm Chris. We'll see you next time, everybody. Later.